This is Leisha Holmes of Key Recruitment and today I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined from the other side of the world by a rather recognisable face to most of you watching. But for those of you who don't know, this is Greg Savage. Hello to you, Greg. Hi, Leisha. Nice to see you and nice to um, see everyone figuratively in the UK. Absolutely. Now, um, I was trying to explain to a friend of mine who you are in relative terms because they're not in recruitment and I said, well, Greg's a bit like Madonna in recruitment. He's been around for a long time. He's ever-changing. I don't think he's had as much plastic surgery as Madonna, if you've seen her face lately. So would you like to give a better summation as to who you are? Well, you're Beyonce, really, than Madonna, oh. but uh, yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, look, I, I've been in recruitment since I was 21 and I'm now over 60. Um, so that's 40 years, obviously. Uh, mostly, well, first of all, being a recruiter, including in the UK, London, for a few years. And then um, started my own business. I've had three or four of those over the years. Uh, and some of them, you know, one, one grew to be listed on the Australian Stock Exchange. One, one we grew across 17 countries. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of um, good times and, and tough times because I also, I think I worked out, I've been through six recessions. So that's proving quite useful now. Mm. Um, now, in the last seven years since I sold my last business, sold, I think I said stole, uh, that's somewhat Freudian. <laughs> I sold my last business. I um, I uh, I've been an advisor to recruitment companies. I'm the board of twelve, and as you know, Alicia, sometimes under the guise of doing speaking tours around the UK, I go on a drinking tour of the UK, Absolutely. and or, or South Africa or Asia or Australia or New Zealand. So quite a lot of fun. But the benefit is, I mean, all that aside, I have a very great privilege of being. Uh, on the inside of so many recruitment conversations. You know, I'm the board of 12 recruitment companies, so you know, a lot of people ask me for advice, a lot of people share their ideas with me, and, and that just keeps me pretty fresh, and it's been very useful over the last four months where people have been looking for my guidance, and I've tried to give it, but also I've been learning as I go along because this is a unique situation. Absolutely. So uh, here we are, Alicia, battling our way through a new challenge. We are indeed. And that's the reason that I wanted to invite you on here today. So thank you so much for doing that, because I think, like you say, you've obviously worked through a number of recessions before. I've, I've worked through one major one, which was obviously 2009. Um, and as a rec to we tend to call ourselves the barometer of what's happening in recruitment because we don't work in one market. We work across every sector. And I think you're in that privileged position, too, where you can maybe see trends and see what's going on. So I thought for our audience, for the recruitment people watching this, I thought that there might be some real pearlers there, hopefully, because to me, we should all be helping each other right now. Because like you say, this is an unprecedented thing that we're going through and it will continue for a while yet, won't it? Well, I think it will. I think that's one of my, one of my themes. So, you know, I'm, I'm intrinsically and sort of in my DNA, a very optimistic person. I, mm -hmm. I always believe if I make a plan, it's gonna work. It often doesn't, but I always believe it's gonna work. Uh, I always believe that things are going to go well if you put the effort in. But I think, I think we need uh, realistic optimism, Leisha. Mm. I think, uh, you know, in my part of the world, we, we were in New Zealand, for example, which, you know, I'm the chairman of a company there. I'm very close to the industry there. You know, we, we were COVID-free for 100 days. Now we've had an April outbreak. In Melbourne, we were back out of lockdown. Now they're down in severe lockdown. I mean severe. My daughter lives there. They actually have um, curfews, and you know they get arrested if they leave their house, literally at certain times. Gosh. So that's had massive impact on confidence. And you know, in the UK, I know that we we still got a lot of infections. We've got cities being locked down from time to time. 
in um, other parts of the world, it's made a comeback. So I guess my point is that we've got to understand um, that we're in this for the long haul. And I think the big thing for recruiters, I think we're going to talk initially about recruiters and then about owners. This comment is relevant for both. You've got to get your mindset right that we are in for a long haul. This is a, it's a question of acceptance. You know, they say Lisha, that in life, um, there are five stages of the grieving process. They yeah. talk about uh, uh, denial and shock and these various stages. And then the final one is acceptance, where you come to realize that this event has happened. I think it's still taking some people some time uh, to accept that this is not going to bounce back. And no. I hope I'm wrong. Anyone on this call can send me an email saying, what a fool I am if, if I'm wrong and it bounces back before Christmas. In, in my country, I can't see it happening. You know, we've got, we've got big cities locked down. Melbourne, Melbourne contributes 25% of our economy in this country and it is locked down you know closed no restaurants no pubs no gyms no transport nothing you're not allowed to leave your house after eight o'clock at night so i think we're in for a long haul we've got to get our head around that yeah no i agree with you totally and i think mindset's a big thing and i'm a huge advocate of, of that so we will come on to talk about that so i mean first and foremost to kick off i mean given where we're at and this talk of potentially a v-shaped recovery or it could turn into a w with what you've said there what can recruiters do right now to protect their revenue stream and to ensure that they are protected going forward? Well, the first thing is, and I will give, I will give some practical tips if I can, but I, the first of all, I'm gonna just stick with mindset. My biggest advice to you starting off is you've got to accept that you've got to take charge of your own journey through this shit storm. Mm -hmm. That's my biggest advice. And what I mean by that, it's easy for us and it's tempting for us to blame the virus, to blame the economy, to blame the prime minister, to blame the Chinese prime minister, all sorts of things, right? Problem is we can't control any of those things. So the only thing you can control is your response. Yeah. And I will say this, you know, most people listening to this call who are recruiters are going to be aged between 23 and 35. And your generation has been given an unfair rap, mostly by baby boomers of my generation, who say you lack resilience, you lack fortitude, you give in too easy, and it's mostly bullshit because I, I, deal with, I, I deal with a lot of people your age, and some of them are the most gutsy, hardest working people I've ever worked with in 40 years. But the point is you've got that reputation and now is your chance to prove it wrong. Mm -hmm. That's my big message to you because it's going to be a while. W shape, no V shape. I don't care. It's not going to happen. It's going to be, it's going to be better, worse, better, worse. But even if they, even if they invent a cure for this thing tonight, yeah. which they won't. No. Vaccine, it's going to be yes. You you said you worked through a recession in 2009, Nisha. Well, let me tell you that in the UK, GDP went back one percent in that recession, and it's gone back twenty four percent in your country in the last four months. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> That's what we're talking about, the magnitude of this fuckuppery that we are faced with. So um, there's that. But the good news is that it will recover and there will be great opportunities. All the businesses that I've been involved in that have really done well, uh, well, let me put it this way. Three businesses that have been the highlight of my life, my, my working life, I've got I've got three children, so gotta be careful about saying that. <laughs> the heart of my working life is um, have have really been made in the in the, in the coming out of the downturn. Yeah. 
So there will be a tremendous chance for, and this is a bit of a tip for owners, and we'll come to it later because I know Lisa's going to ask us some other questions about that, but you need to reinvent how we do recruitment. But as a recruiter, because I'm directing this at you, you need to also say, and this is harsh, right? Harsh, but I'm going to hit you with it. Were you, before this downturn, were you a transactional keyword spamming in a LinkedIn emailing hack? Were you? And if you were, yeah. that's okay, because you're still here. But you won't go into the future with that transactional approach. So my biggest tip for you is, use this, all bets are off. Clients are much more open. People are a little bit more empathetic. There's going to be a reshuffling of the, de of, uh, of the way it works as we come out of this. Your commitment is, I'm going to build relationships. You've got to move the way you work from transactional, which most, you know, you could make money being very transactional in recruitment. Yeah. Plenty of people just keep, they just keyword match, Lisa, didn't they? Jobs, job specs to, to resumes. They made the connection. They sent off some, some emails with resumes attached. They set up a meeting. They made a place and they took a fee. Well, frankly, my 19-year-old my, my son sitting a few rooms away who, who, who doesn't understand anything about recruitment, he could do that better than most of us because he's very digital literate. He can read. He's half smart, only half. Um, and, he, and he could do that. A machine could do it. What you've got to be sort of thinking is, how do I move my relationships from transactional to relationship and then ultimately to consultative? And what that means, I know those are cliches, so I'm going to pin it down. What it means is, that you own the moments of truth in recruitment. The moments of truth most recruiters have conceded because most recruiters hide behind digital. Yeah. Instead of what you've got to do is you've got to use the technology to get rid of the hack work, but the key moments in recruitment, like taking a job order, like yeah. selling a shortlist to, to a client, like selling a candidate, selling a job to a candidate. Yeah. These are things that are moments of truth where you use your influencing skills. And what they require is credibility. They require great questions. They require uh, an advisory approach. And so my big advice is that, and I've got other practical things, but I'm, I know I want to throw it back to you, Alicia. That, that's, that's what I would say recruiters should start to do. And the temptation is going to be, when, when, when jobs come back, you're going to be so excited. You got, the temptation is, I'm going to go back and do everything I've done before because it used to work. Well, that would be the, well, I can't think of a better word. That would be the dumbest thing to do. Because it is your chance to break the nexus of all the dysfunction in our industry. I agree. And, and the biggest dysfunction in our industry is multi-listed contingent job orders, right? Yeah. Where you, because in the UK, I go, I go UK a lot, I got a lot of clients and friends and Lisa and many others. In the UK, you fill one job out of four on average across your country yeah. agencies. Yeah. It's the same in this country. Now, listen to me really carefully. That means you're failing 75% of the time. That means you're not getting paid for 75% of the work that you do. Absolutely. You put it like that, it's scary, isn't it? It's a great opportunity to, to really fit huge. and influence. That's what we should be doing anyway. We're, it's humans to humans, isn't it? That's what it should have always been. It should be. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm, I, I, I think we've got to use the best technology, but the yeah. smart thing is use the technology for the parts of the job where technology does it better. Yeah, and technology does not take a job spec better than a human being. No. And, and technology doesn't sell it. I mean, how many times do, have you said to a candidate, I've got this great job for you, and they've gone, oh, I've never heard of that company. Mm -hmm. I'm not interested. Mm -hmm. Average recruiter doesn't even have that conversation because they emailed them. Mm -hmm. But a good recruiter says, oh, now, now, hold on. 
I've placed four people there over the last three years, and this is what's happened to them. And they've just had a new capital raising, and it's exciting thing. Canvas goes, loves it, gets the job. Only a human being can do it. Yeah, agreed. Thanks. Yeah. So that's that's what the opportunity is, Lisa, coming out of this. Definitely. And I think, you know, having that mindset and just, you know, that's ultimately why you do this job. You do this job because you want to influence somebody's career. You want to influence your client in a hiring decision. You know, how many times have you made a placement where it didn't necessarily fit the job spot, but you just knew that candidate was right for the job. And that's really what more recruiters need to start doing now. 100%. Um, so it's those, I call them moments of truth and, and you'd know what they are, that, that, that's the taking of the job order. Right, so there are plenty of recruiters. I mean, I, I, I'll tell you the story. It's, again, it's about the UK. I was in London maybe five years ago. I had 30, 40, 50 recruiters in front of me, all from one client. And I said to them, if a client sends you a job description attached to an email with one sentence in the email, and the email said, please help me fill this job, what's the first thing you would do? And they all said, look for candles. <gasps> and I said, hold on, is there anything else you would do? No, speed. We've got to get, and I said, would you talk to the client? They looked at me as I'd come from another planet, which, you know, I was from Australia, so they probably thought that anyway. And they oh. said, would you, go and see the, would you go and see the client? And they broke into laughter. No time for that. Well, that's exactly what's wrong with our business. Yeah. It's got too transactional and you lose the power of being an advisor. That's where we've got to go, Leisha. No, definitely. That. Absolutely. So we've talked about recruiters for a moment. So in terms of recruitment business owners then, what examples of best practice have you seen so far? You mentioned three companies where you think they've sort of come out of this. So what are they doing? What can others learn from? Well, I'd love to answer that question. Do you mind if I just say one more thing about recruiters? Maybe oh, a bit of course, sorry. Mindset. Would that be okay? Yeah. Of so, course um, so the thing is, guys, um, uh, uh, tell me this, are most recruiters still working from home, Leisha, or are some of them in the office? Um, it's a real mixture, actually. A real mixture, because we, a lot of parts of the, I mean, we're still in, um, I think it's stage three lockdown in Greater Manchester, um, and some parts of Lancashire, so I think there's still a huge proportion are working from home. But of those clients that we partner, there are, there's a blend, some going in one, two days a week, but most people are set up okay. to work from home now. Okay, so whether you're at home or whether you're not, it's still true that it's very hard to get yourself motivated, to get yourself productive. And it's hard to even measure what productivity is because we used to measure it by placements and jobs and interviews. We're not getting that many of those. Yep. So four things I want to say to you, practical things that you should do. And the first is what I call jobs in play. Now, jobs in play are orders that you've got. Yep. Now, you might, you might have, uh, Lisa tells me she's quite busy at the moment. She wasn't two months ago. Now she's busy. That's fabulous. So all of you are different markets. You might have different things happening. But, but this is going to state the obvious. If you have a job that's open, you've got to be all over it like you've never tackled a job in your life before, right? Jobs are perishable. By that, I mean, listen to me really carefully on this. Every minute you leave a job order open, there's more chance you won't fill it. Yeah. Right? Because clients are skittish. They're changing their minds. They're, they're, they're nervous, right? So when a job, when you get a job order, you've got to be all over it, moving fast. I don't care what your hours of work are. I don't care any of that. If you've got a job, you've got to fill it because you need it for your self-esteem. Mm. The candidate needs it for the job and your company needs it for revenue because yeah. they're doing it tough, trust me. Yeah. So, so you've got your jobs in play, number one. Number two is the pipeline. Now the pipeline is you've got to be methodical. and I have, I'll be honest with you, some clients have said to me, look, empathy is important now with my consultants. And it is, that is true. Mm. It's tough. 
But you've got to get the balance between empathy and outcomes. You know, it's not, we're not on holiday. No one's suggesting we are. There is work to be done. So I, and a lot, of recru- uh, a lot of recruiters and owners have said, now's not the time for measuring our activities. Everyone just do their best. Absolute nonsense. Of course, we're going to do our best. Now is more the reason we should measure. And I'm not talking about hardcore KPIs implemented to, you know, pushed onto people. You're working from home, you've got to decide what a productive day looks like. And to build your pipeline of jobs, you've got to say to yourself, I'll just make this up. This is not my advice. It's this concept that's my advice. Okay, I'm going to to go to my ATS. I'm going to find 15 candidates that I lost track of before COVID. I'm going to track them down and have positive conversations with them. What are they doing? How are they tracking? Can I help them with their LinkedIn profile? Maybe they can be candidates again. Maybe I can just wish them good luck. Maybe they can give me a lead where they've been interviewing, etc. Right. Second thing, I'm going to call five of my best clients with a piece of information. This is the big thing. Don't call your clients saying, have you got any jobs? Mm. Call your clients, flip the dynamic, right? Every recruiter across the world today is calling the client saying, got any jobs? And 99% they're getting no. You've got to flip the dynamic and say, I've got some interesting information to you. We did a quick survey just among 10 clients, and this is how they're handling back to work or work from home. Yeah. or whatever it is. You've got to have a powerful, I, I call it having good chats. In fact, I think that's the sort of phrase they talk about in the UK when, when girls pick up boys and boys pick up girls. They say they've got good chats. Well, I say you've got to have a good recruitment chat, which means you've got to have a good narrative. You do. Don't speak to your clients whinging about the buddy pubs being closed and there's no football on TV and all that. Bring it in close. I'll tell you a secret. No one gives a fuck about your... <laughs> issues right no one cares everyone's everyone's fighting the good fight what you've got to be doing is giving a good narrative and that means this is what's happening in the market this is what we see developing here's some good news story same for candidates good narrative so you've got your you've got your jobs in play you've got your pipeline and the third thing is what i call goodwill equity leisure Mm. And, and what i mean by that is you know, I don't know if you're old enough, but years, years ago, people used to say to their dad, typically, what did you do in the war, dad? And then the father would tell the story. Talking about the Second World War. So you yeah, see how right. old I am. Right. But now, I want to say to all the recruiters on this call, in five years' time and in 10 years' time, and when you've got children, they're going to say to you, what did you do during COVID? Yeah. It's well. such a big thing. People are going to, and what are you going to say? Oh, well, during COVID, I cried a lot and I, I put on yeah. uh, pounds. And I watched Breaking Bad from beginning to end six times. Well, that's not really very inspiring. And so what you've got to say to yourself, I'm going to do the best I can to spread goodwill equity. And by that, I mean lots of out... Here's here's your mantra. Constant, quality, outbound engagement. Yeah. That's my biggest advice. Yeah, that's Every day, I'm going to... You know what I'm saying, Lisa? I'm going to spread positivity. I'm going to call clients, candidates... Suppliers, yeah. colleagues from my company who are working at home. And you know, when I think about it, poor old Bertie lives at home on his own. I don't know how he's going with, so I'll give him a call and yeah. tell him some positive news. You're going to be remembered for being the recruiter who was visible and valuable. Mm-hmm. That's a question I'd ask myself if I were you. Am I visible and valuable? And I'll be honest with you, Alicia, before I pause for breath. Um, when, when COVID started, you know, I'm 62, I'm an advisor, you know, probably my best years are behind me in recruitment, uh, or maybe not my best years, but most of my years are behind me. 
And I had a choice. I could have just retired to my back porch with a bottle of Shiraz and sat out the whole of COVID. Mm. I don't need a job. Um, but I couldn't do that because I had clients who needed help yeah. and also have all this experience. And I thought, I need to be visible and valuable. Now, I don't know whether I have been, but I've tried my hardest online with content. And here I am talking to you at six o'clock at night when I should be downstairs having a beer because I'm hoping it will help. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, it's also true that I hope, you know, it might, it might, I don't know, I don't do speaking anymore, but it might, you know, it's not really a marketing thing, although I suppose that's in my blood as well. It's, but It's, it's more about marketing experiences. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite as old as you, I'm 46, but I think that we, we, people look to the older generation who are in recruitment, very active to see how are we coping with it. I have got teenage daughters, so everything you've said there about the sort of, when they look back, I know that they'll see a mum that's been, I've shown vulnerability, but equally, I've got up every morning, I've done a workout, I've got on with my job, I've made placements during the biggest recession I'm hoping I'll ever have to work through. And I've done that because of my mindset. And don't get me wrong, there have been days where I've thought, oh my God, but it's all about mindset. I want to add just one thing to those group of people that you said to speak to. I've always believed in collaboration between competitors, but never more so during this. I've seen a lot of that about sharing information. You're not giving away anything that's going to compromise confidentiality, but what you're doing is you're speaking to a peer and you are sharing ideas. And I think that's a big thing that a lot of people might miss that you can collaborate and actually generate revenue because I have with your competition. I, I agree with you 100%. And I've been really pleased uh, in the main by how the industry has responded that yeah, way. Yeah, me too. Um, uh, people have been generous, they've been supportive. No one's taking any pleasure in anyone else's tuck time um my clients uh, i pick up some ideas from my clients from their good ideas and i've said to them can i share them and they've all said yes yeah um because it's about survival and it's about seeing us through so um i completely agree with you um and so the final one is you know as i said you've got jobs in play guys so hammer them don't you've got the pipeline which is um you know looking for job orders to fill then you've got goodwill equity which is just sharing positivity um outbound constant what did i say constant quality outbound engagement and the final thing is amplified all online yeah you should be visible on linkedin but not whinging not posting meaningless memes and yeah. shit like that guys post useful helpful stuff thank people congratulate people refer somebody if yeah. anyone's looking to recruit a recruiter i share it on my link i think i did it for you lisa didn't you I? Did? I share it on, on my linkedin um yeah. because I've got a massive following in, in recruitment. So if someone's got a recruiter job, well, I'll share it because it's doing something good, you know? So that's, that's how we, that's how we need to think. And um, I really hope that those tips might help some of the recruiters. Absolutely brilliant. They're, they are, we will definitely be sort of um, taking sound bites of all of those and, and sort of sharing them onwards. So given that you have worked through six recessions before, um, if you were sat in a desk right now and you have to, obviously it's the end of your workday, but the start of our workday here in the UK, how would you tackle your day today? What, what, what would you do? Well, if I was a recruiter, I would be looking at those four points that I said and I'd be dividing up my day accordingly. Right, number one, job orders are perishable. So if I had an open job order, I'd be in touch with the client, I'd be getting interviews, I'd be smashing out uh, calls to find the right candidate, I'd be making a match and, I, and I'd be closing it, right, number one. Number two is I'd be allocating a certain amount of time to my pipeline. So I would say between 10 and 11, I'm gonna make whatever it is, don't worry about my numbers, 10 calls to prospects, I'm going to try and engage them with my narrative, Yeah. right? Oh, yeah. And of course, if the, if the narrative goes, well, 
I'll lead it onto a conversation about staffing. And then I will just get, I do, then I might go for a walk for 10 minutes or whatever it is. I'll reward myself. That's how I do it. I reward myself because I can't work eight hours from that. No. Uh, then I would make my calls uh, uh, or send out some emails. I make some calls around my just constant positive outbound engagement to candidates, current candidates, old candidates, clients, prospects. And as you said, that other group. Uh, and then I might spend an hour on LinkedIn. Mm. So, but I'd set myself those goals and, and each day would be flexed. If I took two or three job orders in a week, well, I'm going to smash those, right? That might be my priority. And I think that would be right. But I'd always be looking at next week's activity as well. So that's how I'd probably think about it. It's really good. That I'm, and I'm glad I've asked you that, although it might have sounded a bit duplicitous to the last part of, of what we've covered. But actually, because so many of our audience are working from home right now, it's really important that they hear that you do take a short break. It's, I mean, I'll... I'll walk my dog if I need to, I'll go make a coffee, you know, those little rewards, you do need to break your day because it's actually quite hard to manage that and to be hard on yourself, but to keep a structure is what you're saying. And I think that's the most important thing. And it must be harder for those that are on their early journey in recruitment, those that maybe have sort of one, two years experience to see that it is about those behaviours, sticking to a plan, keeping to your, whatever your KPIs might be. And obviously we're talking output, we're talking jobs, we're talking candidates, we're talking interviews keeping to that you will get activity you will create something from it you will and i think a couple of things just to pick up on your points those of you who've been one or two years i think it, i think it's uh, i think it's it's tragically tough yeah for those guys but what i will say to give you some hope is when i've seen people like you tough it out in a recession when you come out the other side you're not a two-year experience person you're like an eight-year experience yeah person. seriously yeah you are tough you are resilient you are hungry. You've, you've, you've honed your skills. You've developed relationships. And I've seen people's careers just fly. Right. So there is that to look forward to. Definitely. And the second tip around that, Leisha, is you might make these goals and at the end of the day, you haven't picked up any job orders, etc. Just remember, you're still doing good. And it might take days, weeks, or months until the work you put in comes back to you. It's still working. Yeah. Don't worry that if you haven't picked up a job that day and I completely agree with you about taking breaks here's a, here's a tip about that you say I'm going to make calls to candidates between 10 and 11 a.m do it this way I'm going to connect with 10 candidates and once you've done that have a break yeah no if it takes you the full hour then do the full hour but if you get it done in 40 minutes happy days go for a walk it's yeah. outcomes that count not yeah, volume of course right? it is. And it's small, small rewards, small pleasures, that's why I think. And always see bigger picture. Don't think about the granular that you're actually doing. Think, right, well, I've achieved the 10. Let's carry on. Now, I want to talk about your book. If anyone's oh, yeah. not, not ordered it just yet, The Savage Truth, it's available on Amazon. Oh, there we go. And um, you referenced the DNA of a successful recruiter. We've obviously already talked a lot around resilience um, and strong mindset. So to navigate this now, what do you think if you were, and I'm talking about client hiring recruitment companies, if you were hiring right now, what qualities would you look for when you're hiring? Well, first of all, let, let me define resilience for you, the savage okay. definition of resilience. It's not that macho type of thing like water off a duck's back, I just keep going. I, I don't have any problem with admitting, and I do, that you have a tough day. I don't have any problem in recruitment with crying, with swearing, with going out for eight beers. I do all those things. And what I have a problem with is what I call 
um, wasted emotion. And wasted emotion is taking forward negativity into the future. Right? Yeah. So you've had two offers turned down for that. Okay, that is shit. Yeah. And I don't mind if you leave early or you go for a run or you hit your head against the wall. But the next time you pick up the phone to a candidate or client or colleague, yeah. you're positive. Yeah. You're positive. You mm. don't, you, so, and that's in, in, in this environment, that's what we've got to have. You're going to have tough days. You're going to, have, you know, hit the wall. Understand. But we've got to start each day, each afternoon, each next phone call with positive outbound engagement. Yeah. So that's what resilience is. Resilience is not hiding your emotions. No. It's controlling the impact of your emotions on, I mean, I think you're a robot if you don't have a tough day in the prison. COVID or not, you know? And I think it's fine. And I love placement dancers of joy. And I, and I, I don't mind if you cry in the office. I never, you know, I wasn't a big crier, but I was a big swearer if things went wrong and a big kicker of walls and things. But then it was over. And yeah. the next person I spoke to, I wouldn't take it out on them. Yeah, no uh, doubt. Well, I, I, I had to train myself. So I wasn't that brilliant. But, I mean, reading, so that, I that's the reading that chapter in your book, I was literally going, yeah, yeah. that's because that's and, that, and if anyone has read this, I'm, I imagine it's probably the book that you've spoken out loud to the most because... I think your passion for the recruitment sector, I'm, I, I, I adore recruitment and I think to do rep to rep right now, you probably have got a, a true love interest in it. So I think you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, I have a, a four, four favourite swear words if something goes wrong and I, I, I literally go up Holcomb Hill. I've shared a lot of vulnerable videos during lockdown, but I've also made sure there's points of positive reference and what I've done to try and overcome. It's coping strategies because ultimately yeah, that's, right. that's what everyone that's has right. their own coping strategy. And there's no right or wrong. And I think it's really important. And that's what your book, I think even though it's, I mean, look, it's a timeless book now, really, because I've read this since COVID and it's still very applicable. Well, that's good. That's good. Um, you know, telling somebody to toughen up as a response to uh, feeling down after a bad day of recruitment is like telling a man you can't cry because it's not masculine. That is yeah. just old-fashioned, awful advice. You know, I don't think that is bottling up your emotions. So I think resilience is important. Secondly, uh, network. I'd look for someone who's networked because, you know, starting off cold and cold pulling away to success today, just a hard road, right? So network, influencing skills. Yeah. True influencing skills. And that means asking great questions, having credibility, uh, the, the art of um, constructive pushback. Well, yes, Mr. Client, I know you want to hire somebody on 60 when they were earning 90 last week, 1,000. Um, you know, you look, that could be a problem because they might join you and as soon as the market picks up, they'll leave. So they pay, you know, whatever it is. But having those sort of consultative, consultative conversations, uh, influencing skills, selling skills, persuasion skills, networking skills, um, those are the sorts of things I'll be looking for. Resilience, yes, it's always been that way in recruitment, um, but particularly now, of course. Yeah, and also compassion. I think that you've never had a more compassionate audience. You know, everyone's going, that's the difference between this and any other economic event, as far as I can remember, because we're all in the same storm, but in different boats. So you can talk on a very compassionate yeah, you, level with people. You, um, you reminded me of, 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 of the fifth one I wanted to talk about, which was, I call it empathy, which, you know, is not something you see on the job description of recruitment consultants, but it needs to be there now. Yeah, it does. Because, um, we're going to be talking to lots of candidates in difficult situations, some unemployed, yeah. some employed but hating it, um, some working from home when they would rather not work from home, some working from the office when they rather would work. You know, we need to be really the empathy. Mm. 
Oh, where have you gone? You've gone, Greg. You've disappeared. Oh, you dis we just lost you for a little moment, but we'll edit, it, edit that bit out, don't worry, you froze. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Empathy. Can you hear me? Definitely. Yeah. And, you know, pe people might have, I've, I've had quite a few clients who've had COVID. So, you know, it, this is a health crisis. It's not just an economic crisis. So I think, I'm glad I reminded you of the fifth one because you do talk about yeah. it in your book. And actually, while we're talking about your book, for anyone who has not yet bought this, Greg is giving key recruitment an exclusive code to get 30% off. So if you email me with your contact details, I will send you the discount code. So thank you so much for that, Greg. We really appreciate it. So before we finish, yeah. before you head off to have your beers, have you got any final sort of shares of wisdom and joy for our audience? Well, I, I just just on the book, I just want to make this point. I'm not blogging it for financial gain. Um, no, no. All the proceeds are going to all the proceeds are going to charity. I actually think it can really help people. Yeah, so, definitely. And um, that's why. So look, a um, couple of things. First of all, I just want to make a comment about leadership for those of you who are in leadership roles. Um, your, your role as, as, a, as a leader going forward is a couple of things. First of all, you've got to um, make sure we learn from the past and re reinvent your business. I encourage you to slaughter sacred cows. Nothing that we've done in the past is sacred, right? Some of it we'll, have, we, we'll agree we need to keep doing, but a lot of it can change. And you'll never get a better opportunity. That's the first thing. The second thing is you, you need to rebuild faith amongst your team in this whole industry, right? They are shaken. Obviously's been smashed. Uh, I know in your country they've been on furlough. Their salaries have been dropped. There's a whole lot of stuff going on. So we've, you've got to build faith in the recruitment industry and in your business. I, I would also encourage you to not forget candidate experience yeah. going forward. You've got to build a system which uses technology and human beings to make sure and by candidate experience, it's not only the ones you place or the ones you shortlist or the ones you act as. It's everybody has to be treated with respect. Yeah. So these, are, these are, the, are the critical things. In terms of the style for the leader, I would say this to you. Authenticity is critical and yeah. short transparency. Don't sugarcoat the message. I mean, you need to be empathetic. And in fact, CEO now stands for Chief Empathy Officer. But don't bullshit people. They don't, we don't want to be lied to by our government. We don't want to be lied to, or even if it's not a lie, don't say it's all going to be great and then let five people go. You've got to say, be very honest. And yeah. if you're a leader, one of the other things I'd be doing is, is setting three monthly budgets. Very simple. By the way, take this on board. I wrote a blog about it, so you can find it in one of my last 10 blogs. Okay. And there's, and there's a, actually a spreadsheet there. Um, very simple. You predict the GP for your business, gross profit, net fee income for your business, for permanent placements for the next 12 weeks. Yep. Now, I know that's hard, but you put it in there. Be conservative. Then look at the temps you've got working. Predict their finish dates. Predict their, how many are going to drop off, how many starters you're going to have. And put in your gross profit for your contract or temporary business. Add them together. Put in any other gross profit that your business might generate, which is unlikely, but maybe you've got a training business or something else. Chuck that in. Then you've got your gross profit for the next three months. Then look at your expenses. Obviously, you've got to find a way for your expenses to be under your gross profit. And if you don't, you need to have a lot of cash in the bank yeah. because if not, you will go bust. This is obvious, 
but I still see people doing year-long budgets. I mean, what do you know about what it's going to be like in February next year? What do I know? You don't have a bloody idea. <laughs> I mean, it was only a few months ago I said to my wife, oh, we'll do our European holiday in September. It'll all be over by then. Well, we're not allowed to leave this country. We're not allowed to leave. I know you can, but we can't. Yeah. So who, who knew? So get that straight. And then just remember, you're, if you're a leader, you're also the chief energy officer. That's what CEO stands for yeah. as well. And by that, I mean, you've got to set the pace. Mm. Um, and so you've got to have that balance between EQ, yep. which is emotional intelligence, yep. but also CQ, which yep. is change intelligence. Mm. Uh, and, and those are my important tips for, for right. leaders. And, right. and you need to disrupt, right? Uh, invest in technology that drives efficiency, but also improves the customer experience. And by customer, I mean candidate mostly, the clients. Mm. Um, so Lisa, to wrap up, having said all of that, I'll give you guys this savage truth. I believe it to be true. Um, every recession on downturn I've been through, we've come out the other side and there's been wonderful opportunities for recruiters and recruitment companies. Uh, that includes, yes, the one you went through, but you know, the, one, the one in 2001 and the one in 1991 was a lot worse. The one in 1982 was worse again. So um, in each case, the recruitment industry took a giant leap forward. Our industry is not under threat, only those who don't adapt. So step one is you've got to survive as a recruiter or as a leader, your business. Step two is you've got to recalibrate your business to provide the sort of services that clients and candidates want as we come out of this. Mm -hmm. And there'll be great opportunities. You know, I saw some stats yesterday. Here's the stat. In the UK, the recruitment industry grew 4% in 2019 on 2018. 4%. In Australia, it was 2%. In both countries, we considered it to be a great market. We were bloody loving it, making 4%. This year, 2020, it's dropped 25% already and will probably be worse. Okay, we know that. It's, it's a complete. Next year, they're predicting a rise in the UK of 19%. Now, I don't know if they're going to be right, but remember how great 2019 was? That was with 4% growth. Yeah. Now they're saying 19%. Just imagine. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. What fun you're going to have when that market picks up. Yeah. And remember, two, two, two bits of bad news, which are actually for us good things. We don't take any pleasure in anyone else's hardship. But internal recruiters have been fired in the same ratio as, as agency recruiters. Right? Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of companies have taken a short-term view and they've let their internal yeah. recruiters go. So they won't be around. Who will step in? You will. Yeah. First thing. Second thing is that your clients will be disrupted as well. Uh, and there'll be fabulous opportunities. I forgot what my actual second point was about how the world's going to be different. Bugger, I'm getting, it's obviously time for dinner. Well, it wasn't but political, will be, was it? It wasn't what? It wasn't political, was it? No, no, not, not political. I'm not going to strain to that minefield, but as we come out of it, the, 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 and the other, oh, the other thing is that, um, which I kind of touched on, is that, the recruitment industry always grows faster than the economy after a recession. Yeah. Your economy might grow by 4 or 5% if, if we boom. The recruitment industry will grow by, by 15, 16. So there will be brand opportunity. Oh, the other thing is, you might say, well, that's all very well, Greg, but this is a pandemic. Well, of course, I've never lived through a pandemic. But just remember that our species has been through pandemics before, much worse than this. Of course. Spanish flu, etc., much worse than this, and we've always come through it. 
Yeah. I can't tell you when. No. Um, we've got to be very careful about our health and it's a very, very difficult time and it's a unique time. All that's true. But it is not the end for us. The sun will shine on recruitment again and you just got to make sure you're there to take advantage of it. Definitely. Oh, what a perfect way to finish. Thank you so much. It's been a total joy to speak to you and I know that you've got a beer with your name on it. We're really grateful for your time and we look forward to speaking to you again. Thank you so much, Greg. Thank you, Alicia. Thanks, everyone. And, and best of luck to you all. I hope it goes well.